When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's good morning, three past nine on your Friday morning. Hope you're looking forward to a massive weekend of sport. Uh, hopefully we'll have it all covered for you. Of course, uh, we ha- will have the All Blacks taking on Scotland. That is going to be Monday morning New Zealand time around four o'clock. We've got the Rugby World Cup final between the Black Ferns and the English Roses as well. There's a third, fourth playoff there. There's the, going to be the T20 Cricket World Cup final. Of course, there's Rugby League semi-finals. England taking on Samoa, New Zealand taking on the Kangaroos. So much going on, so many, uh, so much sport. And then let's not forget to UFC 281 out of New York, four Kiwis in action on that card. It's uh, it's all on. It's going to be a great weekend of sport and you're going to find it hard to get off the couch. I'm pretty sure whatever you got going on this weekend, I hope it's a good one for you. Let's have a look at what's coming up on the show. Uh, shortly, Mehdi Baker is going to join us, former Aotearoa Sevens player and Kiwi Fern as well. We're going to talk the uh, Rugby World Cup final with her, get a preview of that. Michael Venus, uh, New Zealand's number one uh, tennis player in the world at the moment, uh, from a men's point of view at least. Uh, he is going to join us. We're going to talk about his season and the season to come next year and when he gets home and who he's going to play with next year. He's got a new partner, so we'll talk about that with him as well. After 10 o'clock, we'll head to New York. Mike Angoff, uh, he's a striking coach at UFC Shanghai. He's the head striking coach there. Of course, he's a big part of the CKB outfit as well. Um, it's Adesanya Pereira, UFC 281. We've also got Carlos Olberg, uh, Brad Riddell, Dan Hooker uh, are all in action there, so that is uh, going to be a great one for the Kiwis as well, for Kiwis in action at UFC 281. We'll cover that off with Mike after 10 o'clock. Around 10.20, we'll hit a panel with Mark Hinton and Ruben Bradley, uh, the boss here. We'll talk uh, that Rugby World Cup final, the Rugby League World Cup, the All Blacks Scotland, the T20 World Cup, and the weekend's must-see sport as well. We'll talk some Rugby League as well and uh, give you another opportunity to win a $50 TAB bonus bet with Stumped at around 11.30. All that and more to come on the show. You're 
on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Well, he's away at the T20 World Cup. And, of course, uh, it's not the only World Cup going on at the moment. We have one right on our own back doorstep. It is the Rugby World Cup. And the Black Ferns are in the final against the Palms on Saturday night. And one person that is definitely going to be there is a former Kiwi Fern, a former Aotearoa Sevens player, a commentator, a player agent. She's done everything in the game, a coach as well. Mary Baker, kia ora, good morning to you. How are you? Oh, kia ora. Um, yeah, wow. It's going to be a big mess. It was a big mess of semi-final last weekend, so... I'm looking for a great match this weekend. Yeah, I mean, looking at last weekend, we know that the French and the and the English, uh, the two top teams that we were worried about coming into this tournament, it was close against the French. How much better do we need to be against the Poms on Saturday? Yeah, the French are probably the the, the most uh, probably the most defensive, got the best defensive team in the competition. So it really did a lot for us around um, you know that chaos sort of high tempo around the ruck area because they actually stopped us from doing that, and it meant that the Black Ferns had to find some other way to get in behind that 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 defensive line, which is great. And, you know they had to come up with some creative way on their own on that paddock to be to get through that defence. How much better do we have to? Yeah, we've got to go up another notch. Um, the English, the, the Canadian team actually put the English under a lot of pressure around the ruck area. Um, the big hitters with the one-off tips of, of the ball, again, found some, some holes in the defence of the English. So they were a bit rattled, the English team, I thought. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it, from the Canadians? Uh, I mean, our pack is probably not as big um, physically. Uh, and, of course, the loss of Liana Mikelaitu'u will probably be felt because she would have been one of those runners, one of those bigger bodies. Oh, exactly. You know, well, you've got Shemaine McMiniman now who's played 30 tests. So, you know, she's played a couple of games. The good thing about what Wayne Smith has done is he's played every single one of his players. So, you know, if someone gets injured, he can just replace them because they've had game time, they've been part, they're part of the tour, they're part of the, the World Cup campaign. So you're not getting somebody who hasn't been playing or anything like that. And, yeah, you, you're right. We are going to be a little bit lighter. We're a little bit lighter than Canada. But we do still, I think it's the winning of the game is in our bench. You know, Crystal Murray was fantastic. I know that Tamaka, she got she got um, a yellow card in the end, but she just made such a difference when she comes comes on. And we've still got Nawoon and and the captain, the co-captain. You know, uh, Kennedy Simon coming on the be- off the bench. Yeah, we do we do have depth on the bench. That is that is definitely a good thing. Uh, what about um, game smarts? Because and uh, you know, fair play to Wayne Smith. He did talk about this, and he he said that he had told the team no kicking. Let's keep the ball in hand. But maybe they'd taken it too literally when, with four minutes to go, Kendra Coxhedge takes a tap, oh. you know, <laughs> rather than kick for the line and kill the clock. Uh, do you think they would have they would have sorted that out this week? And, and and how much smarter do they have to be with game management? Oh look, you know, when you look at someone like Kendra Coxhedge, she's played sixty-seven tests, so she's been in the, in the you know that last Northern Hemisphere tour so I would say that she'd been sitting there just going we have to win this we have to win this and kind of forgetting about what what the you know what her her role was and that's in that space especially in the game management space kicking it out resetting drawing that clock down I think I think uh, look I was in a, in a pub in Rotorua and there was a lot of people on their feet 
um, with their hands over their eyes. <laughs> so there's a lot going on, that's for sure. Yeah, there definitely would have been. Definitely would have been. Um, so we've got uh, the Poms, obviously, this weekend. You mentioned the Canadians. They pushed the Poms a lot closer than, than I think anybody thought they would. If you're Wayne Smith uh, and you're watching that game back, you're looking at the tape, what are you getting your team to do this week that maybe they wouldn't have done last week? To just sort of control the ball a little bit more, um, and again take those certain opportunities, things and and games where there's opportunities for you to close out games. And I think they've got to take those opportunities. You know, like you said, making sure that when we kick the ball out, we kick the ball out, we win our line out. You know, we get a scrum, we win our scrum. So I think each moment needs to be be, be looked at taking advantage of rather than they've kind of, for me, they've kind of, in certain opportunities, it's been given to them and they haven't quite taken them. Um, and that's around our set piece again. I think with our line-outs, I think there was two that went straight. Um, and we talked about that a year ago, you know, we need to sort of better at that and same with our scrums we've got a lot better which is great like we're actually really competitive in the scrums now um but we gave a couple penalties away so i think again it's like seizing opportunities and really really going for them when you're playing a team that relishes the set piece and you know likes to play the 10 uh you know from 1 to 10 rather than from 1 to 15 you know, it, it's great that we've tried to play a faster game, speed the game up, spread the game more, but you've got to have front football to do that. You've got to earn that right. So how do you go about that as a coach? I think for me, there was a couple of times when that, 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 that they've just got to get the memo, that, that first sort of, I guess, the hit up from that, um, from one of the pods. They've actually got to get their momentum first. And they've just got to itch their way forward for the momentum, and then start to then start moving the ball. I think they're going a little bit too early when the defence is so set, that it's so solid that they actually can't get get in behind there. So they just got to try and get that first momentum, get in behind in behind that defensive line, and then start using the chaotic what they call chaotic sort of attack. Yeah, the chaos rugby. Uh, I did see somebody who was it now that, that that commented about that and saying, you know, Kendra Coxedge saying that they were uh, the Black Ferns were were keeping the the ball close to their chests and they, uh, you know, they were playing more sensible rugby. And I think it was an English journalist and saying, well, hang on, if that was the sensible stuff, I hate to see the chaotic stuff because you know where's <laughs> where's that going? Um, and I, I guess one of our, one of our best exponents of of that chaos rugby is Ruby Tui. Um, I talked to you before the tournament started, and you know we talked about her playing on the wing versus playing at fullback, and they did did play with that. Uh, one of the things that you said at the time was because she was still reasonably new to 15s, was her positional sense maybe not where it needs to be against teams that kick a lot like France, like England. How do you think she's come on through the tournament? I think Ruby's just got better and better. Like, <laughs> that try that she scored on the weekend, you know, she might have been on the wing. Um, that, you know, those moments are fantastic. You know, she went she absolutely put everything in. She thought she could get it and she got it. Now, other players might not have got that try. So I just think that Ruby just throws the kitchen sink into everything. And that's her ability. That's her superpower is that she just get, is willing to give anything a go. Um, so, yeah, she, for me, she's improved. Um, I think the reason why they've gone with Renee Holmes is because of the kicking option. And if, if you think about that, if we look back at that French team, we needed we needed to get some points and we needed to kick those, those goals. 
Um, I know Rua Hay got her one, but she missed another one, you know. So uh, these games are going to be tight. They're not going to be the, the 30, 30 point blowout from Wales or, or any of the other teams. It's going to be a tight game. And, and sometimes we just need people to, to put the ball through the, through the sticks, you know. On the other flank, uh, we've got Portia Woodman, who, of course, has um, been a try-scoring machine through this tournament. She didn't get a lot of touches of the ball, not a lot of opportunities against the French. Uh, if you're Wayne Smith and you're looking at that, how do you get Portia involved in the game more and get the ball in her hands more? Oh, look, if you, if the French, just, like I said, that defence from the French were just, it was so good. Every time Portia got the ball, they absolutely nailed her. And, um, and, they've been, and if you think about the last game where they had um, Jasmine Joyce against Portia Woodman, you know, Jasmine just grabbed her by the ankles every time. So I think the fact of the matter is that Portia's getting marked. Everyone knows how good she is. And players in the opposition are standing up and saying, right, Portia, we're going to put our best player on you because you're not going around us. But to get her more involved, I think she needs the ball earlier. Um, and that just means, again, that the, in the in the middle with the forwards, they just need to get the ball a little bit earlier. They need to grow, get some ground, and then they need to move the ball so she can have some space. Do you think the the game plan that we have um, of you know wanting to play at a higher tempo, at a higher speed, spread the ball, uh, is, is going to work against the Poms? I mean, I, they're, they're a very good team. They're a professional outfit. They're exceedingly fit, and I know they are bigger. And that will take its toll at some point. But man, they they're a fit team. They go and they go and they go. They do, yeah. But no, we have to play. We have to play the style. Um, if we don't, we they're going to ground us into a halt. So that's what you know. That's the, that's their superpower is that they do ground teams into a halt. And so I think if the, for the Black Ferns to win this, they need to be playing, continue playing the style that they're playing. They still need to be able to control the game in certain areas of the field. Um, but if you look at the Canadians, they, they, the, t- the two times that they scored, they actually scored it off just a tip-off, um, and the lock just came crashing through the space. So for me, it's like, yep, continue doing what you're doing, improve on your set piece, um, get a, I think hold the ball a little bit more, don't, don't kick as much. I think some of our kicks were just a little bit aimless, and they weren't precise. So if we are going to kick, we need to be a bit more precise than we were last week. Um, and just really sort of hone in our skills and be better at what we're doing. All right. Well, can you give us a, uh, a prediction? A prediction for Saturday night. What do you think? Well, last time you asked me, Ricardo, I was bang on the button. Mm, you were. You were. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you again. I, look, I, I, I've looked at the TAB. Uh, <laughs> I actually am not too sure about this one, to be honest, to be fair. But because I'm a Kiwi, I'm going to have to go with New Zealand. Um, oh, they're either going to nudge, they're either going to nudge England out, or they're not. That's, that's all I've got. Yeah, well, they're paying two sixty. The Poms are paying a dollar forty-five, so they're definitely the favourites. Hey, before I let you go, Mitty, I know you know you've got a plane to catch, but before I let you go, um, there is of course another game tomorrow at four thirty between Canada and France. You've played tournament footy before. How hard, from a coaching point of view, or even from a player point of view, is it to get yourself up when you're not in the big dance? You've lost a game, you have to play for third and fourth. Well, I think for like Canada, to get third, I think that that's something that they would be happy with. The French, not so much. You know, they they want they came here to win win it. So, but again, the French wouldn't want to want to lose to Canada. So, um, 
for that game, I, I think they're going to get a, you know, it's going to be a good game. I actually, the French, I think, might will take that out. Um, but you never know, you know, the way the Canadian, the Canadians pushed England, I'm not too sure, you know, that it could go either way on that one. Um, and I know that Canada are, are, are relishing it for that third and fourth placing. They, you know, this is a good placing for them. They're not professional at all. They're, they're, they're having to fundraise to be at that tournament. So they're, they're saying, hey, we need more resources. We're, we're near the top uh, of the world stage. Put more resources in it, we might end up at the top. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great point. And the other thing too is, um, we've seen it in other sports with the French is that uh, psychologically sometimes they're a bit fragile and if things don't go their way they implode a bit so that, that's always a possibility as well but they are big favourites thirteen versus fives Yeah, yeah, look yeah, I, I think they can be a bit fragile as well but um, they've also got a lot of mana as well in them as well so um, and they're just the French, you know. They're not going to just roll over. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not going to do that, Betty. Uh, finally, uh, the impact of this tournament on women's rugby in New Zealand and women's sport in New Zealand, what do you think the lasting legacy will be? That um, women's rugby is commercially viable. Absolutely, sell-out crowds. Um, you know, Eden Park was sold out twice. Um, there's going to be record crowds this, this weekend. I know that, that there's a few didn't turn up on the, the opening match this weekend. It's really hard to get tickets. So I tried to get an extra one. It was awful. Um, um, so, you know, the, it's it's basically saying, hey, women's rugby's here. Everyone loves watching it. Um, come down, it's a family affair. And, and, you know, it's gone back to that real basic sort of grassroots rugby where people want to go and watch and it's entertaining. So the legacy there is, invest in women's rugby um, and you know it's great for whānau as well yeah it's interesting I took t- uh, talked to Nick Saunder the um, CEO of Eden Park and he said they've already started talks with the New Zealand Rugby Union about the Black Ferns playing against England in a one-off test at Eden Park again next year Oh wow, that's awesome, isn't it? And that, that's what needed to happen, you know. We, you know, the Black Ferns need to be playing. If, if the Black Ferns want to continue to be the best, best in the world, they need to play more games. They need to be pretty much doing what the All Blacks are doing and playing different games so that they can get better and try things and make get that development, that pipe from the players coming through. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Mehdi, thank you very much for your time this morning, mate. Safe travels. I know you're about to leave Invercargill via Christchurch to Auckland, so you've got a, a big day of travel ahead of you. Travel safe, mate, and uh, have a great day tomorrow at Eden Park, eh? Oh, I will. Thanks very much. Happy day. It's 9.25 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, uh, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Of course, uh, great chatting to Mary Baker there about that World Cup final. I did have a question come through uh, on text from Brendan asking who the referee for the final is. Uh, and the referee for the final is Holly Davidson. Now, Holly Davidson is a Scottish official. Uh, she is the first female referee to referee World Cup finals in both sevens and fifteens, um, apparently. So uh, she only actually refereed a sevens final not that long ago. Uh, and the team around her, she is going to have, I believe, a French and South African assistance and a Welsh TMO. So make of that what you will, Brendan. He did ask if uh, she loves the whistle or is going to let the game flow. Couldn't tell you, to be honest. Um, but I think 
uh, based on what uh, the, the fact she's done a lot of seven stuff that we should hopefully see a game that that flows as well. Brennan, keep your texts coming through. Double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine. Temper and bed post range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body, so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Uh, some live sport on at the moment. Of course, we've got the Kiwi Ferns taking on the Gillaroos in the Rugby League World Cup. It is half time in their uh, group game. It's the last group game. Uh, for both sides. It is currently 6-4 to the Gillaroos at halftime, 6-4, so a tight one there. Uh, of course, the uh, top two progress. They they will finish one and two. It's just who they play. England have finished top of the other group, so the winner of our group plays, I think, PNG. The loser of this game, who comes second in the group, will play England in the semi-finals. Uh, it's still a bit weird that we've had five women's rugby league World Cups Three have won, been won by New Zealand. Two have been won by Australia. Yet we ended up in the same pool. And England get to play Brazil and Canada. Um, so you go figure who's done the draw on that one. But there you go. That is uh, what it is. Uh, there is also live league cup action out of the UK. Uh, Manchester United playing Aston Villa at Old Trafford. 24 minutes in. Currently nil all at this stage. Also see that uh, England... Uh, the the football World Cup's only nine days away now from kickoff, so just over a week away. England have named their twenty six man squad uh, to take part in that World Cup, and uh, there's been a been a couple of uh, names put in there that maybe we didn't have in there initially. Um, so James Madison, the Leicester City playmaker, has made the team. He hasn't been in the squad for a while, but he's one of the form players in the Premier League, um, and also. Callum Wilson, the Newcastle striker, has been named as the backup for Harry Kane. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be Tammy Abraham. Ivan Tony from Brentford was also mentioned, but neither of them have made the squad. So uh, Callum Wilson, he has had injury issues, but if he can stay fit, he is a he is a very good player. Um, and it will be uh, interesting to see how much time he gets because Harry Kane played, I don't know why, but Antonio Conte played him for 90 minutes in the game against Nottingham Forest yesterday in the League Cup. Would have thought that was a perfect time to rest Harry Kane because um, considering how knackered he looked and afterwards Conte said how knackered he was. Uh, so with one Premier League game left before the World Cup, you would have thought that they might have given him a rest, but no. Uh, this is the England squad for you. Uh, the goalkeepers, uh, Everton's Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale from Arsenal and Nick Pope from Newcastle. Uh, the defence, Kieran Trippier from Newcastle, Trent Alexander-Arnold from Liverpool, Kyle Walker, Man City, Ben White, Arsenal, Harry Maguire, Manchester United, John Stones, Man City, Eric Dyer from Spurs, Connor Cody from uh, Everton and Luke Shaw from United. And then the midfield is uh, Declan Rice from West Ham, Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund, Calvin Phillips from Man City. Jordan Henderson from Liverpool and Conor Gallagher and Mason Mount from Chelsea in the forwards. Harry Kane from Spurs. Callum Wilson from Newcastle. Marcus Rashford from Manchester United. Raheem Sterling from Chelsea. Uh, Bukayo Sacco, uh, Saka, I should say, Bukayo Saka from Arsenal, Phil Foden from Man City, Jack Grealish from Man City, and James Madison from Leicester City. That is the England team that has been announced, or the England squad that has been announced ahead of the FIFA World Cup that kicks off in nine days' time. We will have all the coverage here on SENZ, including uh, live commentaries. It is a bang on 930 and we will uh, come back with some tennis chat. Michael Venus is going to have a new doubles partner for next season. Find out who that is after the latest in news and sport with Araha.
The countdown to the Australian Open is on. It's time to talk tennis with Smithy. Game, set, match. Experience the best of the Australian Open and the best of Melbourne with AO Travel. Visit ozopentravel.com. This is SENZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Well, he is away at the T20 World Cup. Uh, joining us now uh, to talk tennis, though, is uh, Mike Venus, uh, New Zealand's number one rated doubles player. G'day, Mike. How are you? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. How's how's tricks uh, at your end? How's the, how's the season been? Yeah, it's uh, it's been okay. Uh, you know, we just missed out on qualifying for the. Um, to a finals, um, so you know that's a, been a little bit disappointing. But uh, you know these things happen. So um, you know, just got I guess a few more weeks to work on things and, and try and come back stronger next year. Yeah, yeah. The Paris Masters recently, of course, you got to the quarterfinals of that. How uh, how tight was that? I mean, that third set. What was it? Ten eight. The third. Yeah, um, yeah. It was uh, that was our match. We won against two of the French guys there, and 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 you know, playing the French guys in France, they they are always up for it and have the crowd behind him, so it's always a tough match. So it was great to get through that one, and just unfortunate we couldn't uh, win a couple more matches. Okay. But, uh, you know, that's, that's how sport goes, and, and just got to learn from it and um, and just keep trying to improve. Yeah, uh, it, sounds like, it sounds like you got management with you. Uh, I, I hope they're all happy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, I guess that's the, that's the one bright side of, of right now is it's, um, you know, there's take a bit of time off so get to spend some quality time with the family and uh, and not be traveling and 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 enjoy enjoy all those moments that potentially miss throughout the year while while away from each other yeah I mean the I mean getting to the quarters of Paris uh, was good right I mean that's good for ranking points that's good for prize money but how how far in that tournament did you need to go uh, to qualify for the uh, for the finals I think we needed to win just one more match but uh, you know, there was a, a few the last few tournaments. Uh, the, the week before, we didn't didn't perform as well as we would have liked, uh, and the week before that, we had to withdraw. As uh, you know, Tim had a bad back. Mm. Um, so there was a few a few little things that you know along the way we we potentially we should have done better, and uh, and and we didn't, and and you know, and, and that's what happens. And um, yeah, we you know didn't end up making it. So um, yeah, that is what it is for this year. How is uh, how is Tim uh, in terms of uh, fitness and everything, and what and what does the rest of twenty two look like for you? Yeah, so that's it. I'm done for the year now. Um, so we'll just kind of uh, rest up these these next two weeks. Um, we we are the second alternate for the tour final, so we'll go there. But the likelihood of us playing is uh, you know extremely slim, so I don't really expect too much to happen there. And then um, we'll we head back to New Zealand at the end of November. And oh. then we'll be start training and, and getting ready for next year. I was going to ask you if you were going to get home uh, this summer for, uh, for for Christmas, mate. So you, you get a bit of downtime, a bit of time off, catch up with a few people back here? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's always tricky. I think we're back there for probably about, uh, you know, four weeks, maybe just under before head off again and, and, and play in Australia before Auckland. Um, so it's, it's not a huge amount of time, especially when you're training and trying to prepare in that. But, uh, you know, when you're away for... For eleven months of the year, it's, uh, it's such a special time for us to be back and be able to, uh, you know, reconnect with uh, the family and, and friends that we don't get to see throughout the year. Uh, great that we have Auckland back on the calendar as well, mate, and great that you'll be back to be part of it. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean that's always, you know, maybe 
the most exciting week or one of the most exciting weeks behind the Grand Slams for me. Um, you know, playing playing in New Zealand is, is something that's so special and something that I always look forward to, uh, especially the memories I've had on, on that court throughout the years and that. So, uh, you know, really excited that the tournament's back on and, and we'll have an opportunity to be back playing in Auckland. Now, you said you're going to Australia before Auckland, so you've got a, a couple of tournaments leading before the Australian Open? Yeah, so next year I'm playing with Jamie Murray. Um, so we thought it would be kind of good to, you know, try and get as many tournaments and, uh, I guess, matches in before Australian Open, try and get used to each other as, as much as possible. So we'll play in Adelaide the first week and then uh, we'll head back to Auckland and then uh, from there head over to Melbourne for the Aussie Open. How did the uh, partnership with Jamie come about? Yeah, so uh, we played together earlier um this year, um, when Tim was injured for a few weeks, and uh, it just Jamie's long-term partner, uh, he retired after the U.S. Open this year, so he had been looking. And uh, Tim and I's year, we we both kind of felt, uh, you know, we hadn't really kicked on as much as we were hoping, and, and that. So uh, yeah, it just kind of presented an opportunity, and um, and so I'd been speaking with Jamie, and, and we're going to give it a go. Yeah, I mean, he it feels from here uh, like quite a big deal for you. I mean, I know you you've, you've won Grand Slams yourself in the, in the past, but a guy of uh, you know Jamie's prominence, uh, I guess you'd say, um, five hundred tour wins as well. I mean, not to be sneezed at. Yeah, I saw that. That's, that's a, quite a fair number more than than I'm at. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been around for a long time. I guess at the top of the doubles games, and um, you know, he's he's always consistently kind of uh, does well and, and has very good understanding. So, uh, you know, excited to be, uh, you know, on the same same side of the net and um, and, and see how we can uh, kind of uh, make our games mesh, mesh together and, and see what we can do. How do you go uh, about that, mate? Because, I mean, everybody's going to have their own style. Uh, he'll be different from Tim. Uh, you'll be different from his old partner. So how do you work through that and how do you guys become a team? Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the number one question, and uh, you. I think the first thing is starting off, and and if you both have the same idea, um, same work ethic, and and kind of uh, goals, then I think the rest of it, um, you know, you can sort through the the little ins and outs of uh, you know what do I like to do, what do I struggle with, how can we, um, I guess, hide that a little bit, how can we play to our strengths. Um, you know what what positions work best for us and what not. So how can we avoid those? And uh, yeah, if, you, if you've got those first few things down um, and you're on the same page, then you know you'll always be able to find an answer. So um, you know I, it seems like we're on the same page and and that. So uh, you know we'll just get out there and, and see how it goes, and time will tell. You got the Aussie Open, of course. We mentioned that, and uh, you're going to be t- teamed up with Jamie for that, of course. Um, in terms of where that sits for you in the rankings of the Grand Slams, um, you know, of your favourites to play, where is it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely up there. Um, you know, the uh, just just being so close to New Zealand, having that that extra support there, just feels you just feel comfortable in the environment there. Um, so it's it's definitely a really special tournament. Um, it's it's tough always to go past Wimbledon with the um, with the with the prestige and and that, but it, it definitely is is if not equal, right there with it.
Yeah, 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 cool, man, cool. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's always a great way to start the tennis season. I love the uh, the Australian Open, and I guess from a doubles point of view as well, being in Australia, um, I, I hate to say it, but the Nick Kyrgios circus has come to doubles properly now, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're in the they're in the tour finals next week, and that, and I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I would guess that those guys will probably have another crack at trying to defend their title at the Aussie Open. So, uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's good for doubles in the sense that it brings a lot more, um, uh, I guess, notoriety to it and, and, and people watching and, and talking about it. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, I guess, a good thing for it, and, and let's see how it goes. Did, it, did you notice it last year, of course, as being in Australia with an Australian team like that, that the, uh, there were more eyeballs on, on you and on the games and more people in the stands? I mean, there was definitely a lot more people talking about doubles and 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 out watching. I'd say definitely a lot more out watching their games than than maybe some of the others. But it definitely it definitely brought a bit more of a showcase to doubles. Um, what they did there. So I mean, that's that's definitely good for doubles. Yeah, mate, fantastic for doubles. Hey, listen, Mike, thanks very much for your time. It sounds like you got your hands full at your end, so we'll we'll let you go and 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 wrangle those guys. And uh, we wish you all the best, mate. Hopefully, we get to we get to see you uh, at the ATP finals. If, but if not, uh, enjoy your Christmas and uh, enjoy your prep, uh, getting ready for next season with Jamie. Uh, looking forward to it. Awesome, thanks, mate. Take care. Eh? Yeah, we'll do, mate. You too. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball with you through until uh, midday today. And I can tell you just before halftime, nil all between Manchester United and Aston Villa in the League Cup. And uh, the Kiwi Ferns have taken the lead against the Gillaroos. Uh, they are now up 8-4. 8-4 to the Gillaroos, uh, sorry, to the Kiwi Ferns. But uh, they are um, missing kicks, which is uh, never a good sign. So uh, hopefully that doesn't cost us in the end. But, yeah, good sign from the Kiwi Ferns up 8-6 against the Gillaroos. The first points the Gillaroos have conceded at this World Cup. Um, speaking of World Cups, of course, we have a World Cup final between the Black Ferns and England coming up. One of the stars of the tournament has been Ruby Tui. We met 2010 and just imagine this. Nobody knows who the Black Ferns are. Nobody knows what they look like. Nobody follows women's rugby. We're told you will never be paid. We're told we're not giving you Eden Park for the World Cup. We'll give you somewhere that holds 5,000 because you're not going to sell it out. We're told women's rugby doesn't matter. And then here we are 12 years later, Eden Park sold out, bro. We've all got stories. We've got amazing people in the team. People are, you know, there's momentous occasions. We're at home, we're playing the best team in the world and I'm sitting here talking to the most media I've ever talked to for the Black Ferns. Bro, it's a special moment. It's a really, really special moment. So I think, um, you know, sometimes Kiwis can be so laid back we're lying down, but we finally got up. Finally got up, yeah. So laid back, we're horizontal. That's what my old man used to say. Um, yeah, quite quite a lot, but uh, well, he was talking about me, I think, generally, rather than just Kiwis. But great to hear from Ruby Tui. And yeah, the uh, Black Ferns against uh, England. Who would have thought it back in 2010 that there would be an, a sold-out Eden Park for this game? Looking forward to that game on Saturday night. Of course, there is another World Cup going on across the Tasman, one that we, we pretend we don't care about anymore um, since we got knocked out by Pakistan. See, so, yeah, we thought that was bad. That was nothing compared to what the Poms did to India last night. Check this out. Hardik delivers, and Butler swings hard over the top of square leg. My turn, says the captain, and he advances to 50 in the process. Not 
the encounter we thought we were getting. Butler long down the ground, as good as we've seen, over the side screen for six. He has smeared that ball into the stands. Hales has the strike. He backs away, clubs the ball out to cover. It lands safely and goes for four. I'm all in for this finishing with a six. Okay. Shammy to Butler, the captain with the privilege of finishing it right now. Butler goes hard to log on. It's over the top of Coley. It's six. The full firepower of England's openers unleashed in Adelaide. The Butler did it in a hailstorm the likes of which cricket has rarely seen. England romp home in the semi-final. None down. And this World Cup will finish on a nostalgic note. It's a reprise of 1992. We go back to the MCG to see Pakistan and England in the trophy decider. Yeah, I like that line. The butler did it with the bat on the green uh, because uh, Joss Butler and Alex Hales, uh, they got England home. England didn't didn't lose a wicket. Uh, India set them 169 to win the match. England scored 170 without loss with four full overs to spare. Uh, how good is that? And uh, superb from the English batsmen of uh, Hales and Butler. Butler, 80 of 49, included nine fours and three sixes. Hales, 86 of 47, included four fours and seven sixes. Absolutely took India apart. The Indian bowling attack got smashed all over the part. And Muhammad Sami went for 13s. Uh, Rachin. Uh, sorry, Ravi Ashwin went for 13 and a halves. Hadrick Pandya went for 11 and a halves. Um, you know, uh, the the Indian attack just got smashed left, right and centre. Uh, so England versus Pakistan in the final, if it happens, because it's in Melbourne and the forecast for the next week in Melbourne is rain. So what are they going to do? Because they do have a rain day, but the rain day is probably going to get rained out as well. Do they move cities? Do they take it to Sydney? I don't know. Um... What do they just call it a draw? Knowing the Poms, they'll come up with some way where they can do a count back on, on boundaries over this over the tournament, and they'll win the World Cup that way. That that they've got previous, they have previous. Uh, keen to hear from you on that. Our temper bedpost text machine double eight double three. What do you reckon is going to happen in that final? Will we see a ball bowled? That'll be the question. It is uh, eight away from ten when we come back. Our TAB multi for the weekend. You got to know when the hole. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. A couple of minutes away from 10 o'clock. Time for that TAB multi that we do every uh, week uh, or every day. And uh, we, it's a team multi on a Friday. So uh, I'm going to start with this one. I reckon there might be a little bit of a, I don't even know if you'd call it an upset at the moment, the way they're travelling, but uh, maybe a bit of an upset in the Premier League. Newcastle to beat Chelsea. It's paying $2.30. It's at St. James's Park. It's the last game before the World Cup and uh, before that break. And uh, Newcastle are unbeaten at St. James's Park going back to, I think, April last year. Or April this year, I said, so April last season. So uh, they're travelling really, really well. And Chelsea look very disjointed at the moment. So, yeah, taking Newcastle uh, to beat Chelsea, $2.30. Robbie, where are you going, mate? 
Hello, hello. We, uh, I've, I've got the lowest odds. Uh, I think it should be slightly higher, but it's a game that I will definitely be up to watch. Uh, All Blacks, 13-plus against Scotland. Dollar sixty-seven. That plays that that game. By uh, by the way, is not Sunday morning. It's Monday morning at four. Uh, just in case you're wondering, and you get up at four o'clock on Sunday and wonder where the rugby is. Doing your favour. All right, Brian. Uh, the to, to to put us away. The third leg of this multi. Yeah, so um, I decided to live in the moment this week and live in this week, not a week ahead of myself. And <laughs> <laughs> I went back to UFC 281. Yeah. And I went with power plays. Uh, and my power play is two plus Kiwis win by KO, TKO at $3.30. You multi that all together, it comes to $12.67. Ricardo, what do you say? I've, no, I like it, mate. Get on it. Get on it. Fill the beer fridge. Get amongst. Yeah, get amongst. Uh, Carlos Elberg. Is gonna, I think, is gonna be one of those. I think Izzy will be the other one, and then you know those Dan are my Hooker. Two guesses. Yeah, Dan Hooker, Brad Riddell. You, you've got a fighter's chance in there as well, a puncher's chance with either exactly. of those possibly doing yeah. the same. So could be Brad's like first knockout in the UFC. I'd love that to happen. I think he's got a tough fight. I think yeah, he's got the toughest fight of everybody yep. this weekend. But loving that, and we'll talk more of that with Mike Angove after the latest in news and sport. Nothing like a bit of old blue eyes. Frank Sinatra, New York, New York here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. It is six past ten. Of course, New York is hosting UFC 281. And joining us out of UFC 281 is UFC PI Shanghai head striking coach and part of the CKB crew as well, Mike Angove. Morning, Mike. How are you? You there, Mike? Morning, guys. I'm not sure if you can hear me, but uh, we've got horrible reception where I am, unfortunately. Uh, so I uh, hope you can hear me. Yeah, we've got you now, mate. We've got you now. Um, you've just had you've had the uh, the press yesterday. Uh, you've had the weigh-ins as well. How's everybody looking? How's everybody feeling in the camp? Um, well, you know, you can obviously sense that there's a lot of tension around this fight. Uh, the boys also had a face off on top of the Empire State Building today. Um, you know, that you could tell that the security was on edge for that. Um, both the guys, uh, you know, they're, they're caged animals at, at this point. Pahira, as, uh, as is repeatedly said, has, has bragging rights. He, he secured the knockout last fight out. So, um, you know, he has kind of given away the, the trash talk side of that. Um, the other factor is that Pajeda only speaks Portuguese, so there's no point really saying a hell of a lot um, because it's, it's just not going to work. It's wasted energy, um, you know. And then you get the geniuses online who, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're revealing their PhDs in body language, uh, you know, saying fighter or the other is nervous or underprepared, or you can tell because he flickered his eye or you know did, didn't maintain eye contact, um, and you get that, of course, that uh, result of the interest created around the fight. But uh, ultimately, you're going to get two guys who are going to bash each other um, on Sunday, New Zealand time, Saturday, New York time. And that's what we're looking forward to, mate. Adesanya Pereira, I mean, you mentioned it. Uh, Pereira has beaten Izzy twice in kickboxing, but that was a few years ago, and I think uh, particularly the knockout was a bit of a, a bit of a lucky punch when he was going backwards at a rate of knots and as he was winning that fight. Um, what's the preparation been like for this one? Because I guess differently from what you've had to deal with in recent fights, you, you don't have someone that's probably going to look to take Izzy down, so he doesn't have to worry about maybe stopping the takedown. I think we might have lost Mike there.
It was obviously a salient point. Obviously a salient point. We'll call, we'll call them back. We'll call them back. And just having a look at those uh, markets at the moment, Israel Adesanya versus uh, Pereira is, uh, is, is the Adesanya, oh, of course, now the U, uh, the. TAB website has decided to update. Uh, but there we go. Uh, Izzy is paying $1.50 head-to-head. Pereira is paying $2.55. That is uh, the head-to-head market. I think Izzy's going to finish this fight. And uh, to Israel, and he'll do it on, his feet, on the feet, obviously. Uh, Israel uh, by knockout or TKO paying $4.50. The favourite option for method of victory is Israel by points at $2.30. And uh, we've got uh, uh, Pereira on the other side of thing by knockout at three seventy five. Pereira by point seven fifty. But I like I like the look of Izzy by knockout at four fifty. We've got him back. I'll just say, Mike, you know, a slightly different preparation for this fight for Izzy, given uh, Pereira likes to stand and bang as well. So he probably won't have to worry about trying to defend the takedown so much. Yeah, I mean, look at mixed martial arts. You got to prepare for all eventualities, but it would be unlikely for Pereira to go to an area where he's uncomfortable. And, uh, um, you know, similarly, uh, Israel's not necessarily going to change his uh, which has served as well, which has been based on defending the takedown. So you've got guys who have a similar game plan uh, in terms of uh, what's their success in MMA. So that brings you to And Pahedas obviously had greater success the about those two things. Yeah. Yeah, just a... Sounds like there's a fax going in the background. Yeah. We, oh. might, we might have to try Mike again there. We might have to try Mike again because he's just dropping out all over the shop. Uh, having a look at some of those other fights, uh, Dustin Portier versus Michael Chandler is also on the main card. Portier, the favourite there at $1.45. Chandler, two sixty-five. Carla Esparaza and Wei Zhang. Uh, Esparaza is defending champion, but she is the outsider at three seventy-five. Zhang at two sixty. She's a uh, yeah a, a hard hitter. Zhang uh, in the women's division, and then Frankie Edgar, Chris Gutierrez as well. Edgar two seventy-five. Gutierrez is a dollar forty-three, and then another one of the Kiwis, Dan Hooker, a dollar sixty favorite to beat uh, Claudio Puels, uh, who's paying two thirty. Brad Quake Riddell. Tough fight for him, Renato Moicano, uh, the Brazilian. He's a big guy too, long long levers. Moicano. He is a dollar eighty. Riddell is a dollar ninety five. And kicking off things from a Kiwi point of view is Carlos Olberg, who uh, took a while to get going at the uh, UFC level, but has uh, has has looked good since uh, his first one. He's a dollar six seventy six favorite. Sorry, Mike, you just disappeared down a uh, down a digital hole there, mate. You were saying. Um, I think, you know, talking about tactics, it's unlikely that either fighter is going to change his tactics. Therefore, uh, we're going to probably have a stand-up kind of battle. Um, and that comes down to the guy who's got the power, which is the header. This is the guy who has and the capability. Um, you know, so, so that becomes an interesting matchup for those guys. And, uh, you know... How that up. And I think people have to remember the closeness of their fight, uh, their respective fight, other opponents in the kickboxing. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. We uh, there's actually there's a great video if uh, if you're interested in checking it out of Michael Bisping, the uh, U, the former UFC fighter and commentator, uh, talking about five reasons why Israel Adesanya will win this fight because there are a lot of people jumping on the Pereira bandwagon and saying that you know he's he's going to take uh, the title off Izzy, but I don't think that is going to happen. I don't, that's not the way that I see this fight going at all. We might have to leave Mike there, obviously having issues uh, with the cell coverage. But yeah, Carlos Alberg is the first fight on that card. He's the first. On the undercard, here's uh, paying a dollar seventy-six to beat um, a Romanian fighter uh, whose name is Nikolai Negumaranu, who I don't know too much about. Brian, uh, I know you follow UFC uh, quite heavily. Nikolai, have you seen much of this Romanian? Yeah, um, it's your typical your typical bloke from that area of the world. Very, very strong wrestling, uh, great wrestling locks and holds and stuff like that. Um, but you know, very competent on his feet. Uh, but Carlos is a better striker. Yeah, yeah, better striker. But um, his it's it's just Carlos's inexperience at the moment because those boys, no one wanted to fight them uh, down under. No, and so they had no options but to go to the big leagues. So this is they they're, they're kind of learning on on the job. Unlike Izzy, did all the what hundred of hundred fights in China before he crossed over. You know, so guys like uh, that. But I'm expecting him to uh, control it at range, and if. The uh, opportunity arises. I think he'll take it. The the black jag, Mister Ladies Night. Now, um, they actually uh, they, there's an MMA journalist, um, Ariel Halwani. Now, you would know who he is. Some of our listeners may not, but he's he's big time. He's probably the most uh, famous MMA yeah. journalist. Definitely the biggest. And CKB had all four of their fighters on his show back to back to back to back. And for a New Zealand fight fan, for as long as I have been. To witness that was incredible, starting with Eugene and finishing with uh, Israel, or giving them their individual times on that platform. Um, it's just, uh, it's amazing how far it's come from, you know, from like Mark Hunt fighting on a street yeah. with Lolo Hey Muli and stuff like that, to all the way to the most glamorous, if you could call combat sport glamorous, yeah. the most glamorous uh, organization in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're the most successful, that's for sure. They're certainly putting boxing in the shade to a large degree, UFC. And, and I, th- yeah. I think, um, you know, you talk about Ulberg, the one of the challenges he's had is fighters who do want to take him to the decks. I mean, if you've got any wrestling about you and you've seen his previous fights, you're going to go, I'm not going to stand and bang with this guy because that's his strength. He, How much has Carlos learned about uh, takedown defense and how to get back up if he gets taken down? That's going to be interesting. That is it. That is the big thing. I mean, that's with all the city kickboxing boys. You know, you, you look at Blood Diamond, the, 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 every plan, both of them, take him down. Yeah. Because you, you don't want to you don't want to test yourself straight away with them there. You want to go to where you're stronger, and show them you know you still got a lot to learn, boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see. What about um, uh, Brad Riddell and Moicano? I mean, we mentioned earlier we probably think that's the biggest test for any of the Kiwi fighters this weekend. Yeah, I'm a huge Riddell fan as a person. I think the dude is just an impressive human being. Uh, his old man is a super impressive human being too, you know, wards for saving people's lives in Christchurch, uh, quakes and all that sort of stuff. Of course, he has the, the name Quake City. First time in his career, I believe, he's ever had back-to-back losses. Mm. So he went back to Thailand, reset a little bit in this camp, and um, now he's uh, switched his mind. He's managed to let go of that, and... Um, he has to come back. There's no real option. If he loses, it could be it for a while. He'll have a long trip back to the UFC. Uh, could could go that way. You see fighters get cut after two losses now. But um, there's that whole CKB thing too. That, that What they're doing in the UFC is kind of unique as well. So maybe he can hold on through that. But 
he is fighting a beast. Moicano just, uh, just you know, he came in late against um, Rafa and nearly won, but Rafa's uh, experience got him past him. But Moicano is longer. He's really similar to the last loss that he had, Jalen Turner. He's got that length. Um, but Brad spars Israel all the time. So I don't see length being a problem. If anything, it'll be get caught and panic, mm. which is kind of what happened in the Jalen Turner fight. But that is going to be uh, one not to miss. And I believe it's closing out the prelims, which is quite a featured spot for the UFC. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic, that fight. Then uh, Dan Hooker is back. I mean, talk about back-to-back losses. Uh, Dan, uh, you know, he's, he's had a bit of a rough time of it recently. He's changed divisions and then didn't go so well when he dropped back down. Yeah, the mercenary. He's the one at CKB that doesn't listen. See, he's known Eugene uh, since before Eugene was Eugene. You know, so they used to train together. They trained together back before Eugene was a coach or anything, back when Eugene was fighting. So there's a little bit of that relationship, and he's super headstrong. Um, and so Eugene understands that with him, but he was the first one to go, look, I'm pulling my head back in. Uh, you are now my manager, because he managed all his fights. Yeah. Any fight that he got in the UFC and that was, wasn't going to them, but now they're his management. So they will work him properly and hopefully make a better prospect out of him because he was there so, so close. A couple of tough losses to a couple of high dudes, a couple of dumb decisions, and you got to start again. Yeah, and so it's going to be interesting watching UFC 281 coming up on Sunday. Uh, you can catch that pay-per-view on Sky Arena. Uh, it is 18 past 10 here on SENZ. When we come back, it's the panel with Mark Hinton and Ruben Bradley. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, time for the panel. Ruben Bradley, the boss man in the studio. G'day, Rubes. How you, are you? You turn the button so off your microphone. I, oh, no, I thought Brian would have yeah, my back. No. No. <laughs> Sorry, the producer we'll under the bus already. Brian. No, just yeah. <laughs> Mark Hinton from stuff.co.nz with us as well. G'day, Mark. How are you? Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, a bit going on, isn't there? Mm. Mate, just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. Now, uh, I just update uh, everybody that the Jillaroos uh, Kiwi Ferns game is finished. It finished 10 8 to the Jillaroos. So the Aussies got the upper hand, means we'll play England in the semi final. They get Papua New Guinea. But the first points that the Jillaroos have conceded at this World Cup, and they were ahead uh, in the game twice, Mark. Uh, does that give you hope for the final? Because, I mean, with a, a dodgy draw that's been done to make sure that England give the, get the best chance to get to the final. Um, this is just a, it was just a dry run for the final, wasn't it, today? Yeah, well, it certainly gives you hope. That was a fantastic effort. I don't think anyone really thought the um, Kiwi fans would, would, would get that close to the, to the Aussies. So they're, 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 they're about, they're a chance. Um, it's going to be a tough semi for them, isn't it? But uh, um, they play like that again. Uh, you know, they're in the game, aren't they? So, um, yeah, honourable effort and hopefully a good sign what's to come this weekend. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, I mean, because Ruben, we were, uh, the Black Ferns were leading 8-6. Um, they missed a couple of kicks as well in that game that could have made all the difference, uh, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, just a bit. I was um, uh, watching when they scored that uh, their go, a- go ahead. I don't think we say that down here, but anyway, the go ahead try. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just a case of repeat sets and just that uh, there was an era of inevitability as the, the pressure mounted repeat sets and, you know, eventually it did seem like the crack would um, would be found, um, and so yeah, just just a bit too much pressure. 
bit too much pressure, but uh, uh, good to see where the ferns are at. They're not too far Absolutely. away from uh, the Jillaroos. We should talk, of course, kangaroos, kiwis as well. That one Saturday morning. Uh, looking forward to that one, Mark. Good, uh, at a gentleman's time too of eight forty-five. <laughs> um, I mean that that kiwis performance against Fiji was littered with mistakes. Hopefully they've got them all out of their game now, but uh, it did worry me a bit coming into a, a game against the Kangaroos. Yeah, you like momentum in, in these tournaments, don't you? And that, that was a bit of a momentum stopper for the um, um, uh, for the Kiwis. They just did not play well and, you know, and, and, and dodged several bullets, I think, on route to victory. So... Um, um, but maybe, you know, look, look. there's a theory that, you know, to win a World Cup, you've got to survive one, you know, one off game, one one close shave along the way. And maybe that was it for the Kiwis. Let's hope so. They're certainly capable. Uh, a big forward pack. You know, they need to make that count. Um, um, and, and they'll rise to playing the, to, they'll rise to playing the Aussies, won't they? That's, you know, this is their kind of, you know, Mount Everest. It's It's the ultimate challenge. Um, and it, you just like to think that it'll bring the best out of them. Uh, they can they can kind of bash them up front and get the ball to those um, you know those wonderful uh, uh, difference makers out wide that the team also has. So um, I'm not without hope. But when you're playing Australia in rugby league, you're always second favourites. So you just you know, you, you have to get so much right on the day, don't you, Rick? Yeah, you do, mate. You're 100%. I, I mean, I think, too, the other thing, Ruben, that goes in, I wouldn't say goes in our favour, but I, I think from a fan point of view, you go, well, Australia haven't been tested yet. Kiwis have. Yeah, definitely. Like, though, they will uh, bank that away, having been put under pressure in that quarterfinal by Fiji. But I just think, I don't know, these triumphs against the kangaroos that we all remember so fondly over the years my feeling is that they always come when we least expect them mm. and they, they always catch you off guard I just sort of think for all the big talk pre-tournament about how even this year would be how strong the Kiwis would be how we're the world number one side how so many players were choosing their country of birth come the business in the semi-finals it's actually the same old story We've got three powerhouses and, and one other team uh, in the semi-final. England plays a team they beat by 60 points at the start of the tournament. Um, and it, there was so much hype around how good New Zealand were going to be this year. And now everyone, everyone is backpedalling at a rate of knots faster than a politician about <laughs> how the Kiwis are now massive underdogs. Before the tournament, and it was an awesome PR campaign. But honestly, International League, is still actually just the same. It's the three teams, and Australia's probably going to win. Yeah, well... It's like that football thing. Uh, football's a game that if players run around for 90 minutes, and at the end, Germany wins on penalties. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is the <laughs> rugby league equivalent. Australia's going to win. Yeah, Australia's going to win. Australia's going to win. I'd be interested, Mark, actually, to see that Samoa-England semi-final, because Samoa didn't show up for that game. But now they've got up, and they've beaten Tonga. And tell you, if you if you're Matt Parrish, who doesn't have the greatest rep as a coach, but, I mean, it's not going to be that hard to motivate them for this game, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, I'd love to see the Samoans win. I mean, you know, the Samoa and Tonga, Rube's touching on, I guess it's a, it is a three-horse race, but Samoa and Tonga have at least brought, um, you know, a, a competitive second tier, if you like, to International Rugby League. So I'd love to see the Samoans tip over the home team, but I can't see it. You know, they'll have, They'll have so much support. They'll have so much motivation to to be in the final, and they're 
in their own country. I, I really can't see it, but you never know. It's a, it's, it is a strong Samoan team when they get it right, when they get their confidence and flow going. Um, but I'd be tipping, if, if I was a betting man, I'd be tipping, <laughs> tipping an England-Australia final. Is, is that's where you're t- you are as well, Roots? Australian in, uh, England? Yeah, final. I have to say. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Right. And that, is, yeah, that is disappointing. Fingers crossed we're all wrong. Uh, we'll find out on Saturday morning. Uh, it's just gone 10.30 here on SENZ. This is the panel. Mark Hinton, Ruben Bradley with us. We'll be back with more after the latest in news and sport from Aroha Hathaway. Time for the panel to continue with uh, Ruben Bradley and Mark Hinton from stuff.co.nz. And Mark, you've been all over the tournament right throughout the Rugby World Cup. We're we're at the final stage tomorrow night, Eden Park. It's a sellout, Black Ferns versus England. Uh, How sold out will this one be? (laughs) Yeah, I think it will be a house full because there's only one game on. I think what we've seen is the crowds spread around when there's been multiple games. Look, you know, I think every seat will be taken for this. Um, uh, It's going to be a fantastic occasion, isn't it? Um, And different to 2011, if you think back to when we hosted the Men's Rugby World Cup and the All All Blacks made it to the final, so much expectation um, on the New Zealanders. And it was a really nervous, tense (laughs) occasion, wasn't it? If you remember back to, I mean, it was almost unwatchable at, at, at stages because the All Blacks made such hard work of it. But yeah, you think of now, you know, the Black Ferns are playing an England team on a 30-match unbeaten streak. Extraordinary run. Uh, they are second favourites. They are underdogs, our Black Ferns, as well as they've played and as brilliantly as they've played through this tournament. Um, they're up against, uh, you know, a bit of a juggernaut, aren't they, in the women's game? So um, it's it's different to 2011, but it is the same. It's, it's a country, um, you know, hoping, a country um, anticipating a world... Championship, you know, and by by one of our beloved teams in front of our own, in front of their own fans. I mean, it is special and it's rare. And um, look, Saturday night, I think if you're not at the ground, your eyes, eyeballs have got to be on the tally because um, um, it, it's a special, special occasion. And look, I give the Black Ferns a chance. England look to have come back to the pack a little bit. They haven't been. You know, they're indomitable selves through this tournament, have they? And the Black Ferns have played the type of rugby that will trouble them with, the, you know, the pace, the game at pace and, the ga- you know, using width. It's the game you need to play to beat England. And so the Black Ferns definitely have it. All this rain in Auckland probably doesn't, isn't helpful for them and hopefully it clears by tomorrow. But look, they're a chance. And that home home support, Rick, uh, that home support will... will you know, will really help them. It will it will take them through almost you know at, you know another leg sort of proverbially. So um, they're in with a chance, but they're going to have to play you know a bit like we were talking about earlier with the um, Kiwis. They're going to have to play very very well to beat an England team that will not beat themselves. Yeah, chaos rugby they call it the, the way the, the, the Black Ferns play. And I mean credit to Wayne Smith for reinventing the, the Black Fern style of play to, to get us closer to France and England after what we saw in uh, November last year, the end of season tour. Uh, Ruben, you, you've got a young daughter. I remember you telling me that you were watching the All Blacks with your family and your, your young mm. daughter said, when can we watch the women do Absolutely. this? Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to Saturday night. Absolutely. We will uh, definitely keep the kids up late, watch it on Spark Sport, uh, have a have a ball. It's going to be uh, an extremely close game, I think. I think it's one of these, one of the most bizarre and curious phenomenons of uh, elite sport 
is the fact that favourites essentially never win like they should Mm. in the big games. You know, like a football final is always nil all. France had no right getting within one point of the All Blacks in 2011. The All Blacks were so much better than them. In big finals games, they are always tight. So this England team has a phenomenal Record uh, and they are outstanding. They're obviously and should be uh, the favourites for this game and the best rugby team in the world right now. But uh, it will be a tight game and it will come down to a couple of really tight moments. And you know, one kick a goal or one one pass that does or doesn't go to hand. So yeah, every chance uh, that the Black Ferns could win this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a tight game. And and Mark, I think even more important in a way than the result of the final is the lasting legacy that this World Cup is going to have on not just women's rugby in New Zealand, but women's sport in New Zealand with the crowds that we're seeing. I talked to the CEO of Eden Park, Nick Saunter, during the week. He said they're already talking to the rugby union about trying to get another Black Ferns test at Eden Park next year. Yeah, look, that's an important point you make, Rick. I think legacy is one of the big factors of this World Cup. Look, we've seen um, we've seen the Black Ferns uh, generate tremendous interest for the women's game and also showcase the women's game really, really well. And not just them, you know, there are other top teams, England and France particularly. Um, but but can this, you know, it needs to be more than a one-off event. This this needs to create, yeah, a new blueprint for, for women's sport. And um, it shows that, that top women's sport can attract fans to the games, can attract eyeballs to the screens. And hopefully can attract dollars, you know, because that's what it's all about. They need money to, to um, you know, to, to be better, to fund the, their, their professionalism, basically. So, um, yeah, let's hope the legacy is that um, we don't just have to watch the All Blacks, you know, to be entertained uh, in terms of high-level sport in, in, in rugby or in any code, really. Uh, women can provide just as good and thrilling uh, competition and, um, you know, uh, this World Cup showing that, and hopefully there's a spin-off um, uh, in terms of that legacy you talk about, which is really, really important because World Cups, that's why you pay the big money to host World Cups. They, they, they mean something for, you, for your country and your sport down the line. And the legacy of this World Cup is women's sport can be entertaining. It can be, uh, uh, you know, edge-of-the-seat stuff, and it can be high, high quality because this tournament certainly has been that. And as you say, Mark, as well, uh, win or lose, this tournament and the years that have preceded it, the growth of England and France and the depth in in women's rugby at, on the international level is hugely important because it used to be a fait accompli. The, uh, the Black Ferns would play, they would win. They would play, they would win. Now there's some competition and a reason to watch. Yeah. A reason to watch, and you know, and that's what you need. You need competition. You know, it, it took that horrible fright that New Zealand rugby got in November last year for them to sort it out, really. And I don't think they've completely sorted it out yet, but they've certainly made steps in the right direction. And I think it says a lot, Mark, as well, that we are talking about the Black Ferns probably this week on this station more than we're talking about the All Black Scotland. Yeah, rightfully so. This is a World Cup. This is, uh, uh, you know, an occasion that really means something. That is, we're talking about legacies. We're talking about, you know, um, legends will be made on Saturday night at Eden Park. The All Blacks are playing Scotland. You know, it, it's a November test. Look, it's an important test for the All Blacks, and, and let's not pretend that we're not interested. We are. I mean, you know, this this team has yet to put, produce back-to-back convincing performances this year, even though they've won five in a row. 
um, that, um, that a couple of those victories, you know, Melbourne particularly, uh, Tokyo, not very convincing. And this team hasn't shown an ability to back it up. So, yeah, there's, there's interest. But uh, the All Blacks playing Scotland at Murrayfield, I know they're preserve, trying to preserve that, um, you know, undefeated record against them. And whether it's uh, in the modern era or this year with the All Blacks, uh, you know, that you just can't take that for granted, can you? Because a couple of those have gone by the wayside already. So um, there's a bit on it. But no, it's not a World Cup final. So rightfully so, the Black Ferns take centre stage. And uh, those who... who who can manage it, will get up in the middle of the night, but I'd say most people will probably tape it and watch it in the morning, uh, the All Blacks against Scotland. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I think it said everything, Ruben, that when uh, Mark said that the All Blacks have won five in the row, you did the wow face. Like, have, <laughs> have they? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was a great stat. It was like... Well, and it actually speaks to probably what I had thought about a little bit more around this as well. To think that they've won five in a row, agree they haven't put two in, uh, two in a row convincingly together. But I'm pretty sure Monday morning we will win easily. We might not have a vintage team right now, but the skill level of the All Blacks always still means they can break open a team relatively quickly, uh, put two or three tries in a row quickly when mistakes are made and the points start stacking up and the scoreline looks really generous. The other thing that I've started to know as well, the previously untouchable France uh, nearly lost at home to Australia, which is like oh, okay. So this, untu- you know, this incredible France team that you know, uh, you know, that gonna un- be unbeatable next year. Summary because everything we're talking about as regards men's rugby right now is looking forward to the Rugby World Cup next year. Summary in my mind, all is not lost when we look at the World Cup next year. Are we the runaway favourites as we have been in other years? No, obviously not. But I would still feel a heck of a lot better back in the All Blacks than France. What chance do they seriously have? Has everyone forgotten the reputation of France as a rugby nation? What chance on earth do they have of staying consistent for another year and a half? Yeah, well, that that might Let's be... Let's not a, forget that part. They are still France. <laughs> yeah, they are still France. That's a, that's a solid point. Um, uh, Mark, when is this All Blacks team out? And, and what do you expect to see, given that we've got England a week later? Yeah, it's overnight um, uh, between, you know, early hours of Saturday morning, basically late, late, just after midnight on Friday, the team will be announced. Um, I expect some changes because I think Ian Foster is trying to get through this. Uh, he's got a six-day turnaround for England. So this is a Sunday test up in, up in Scotland. And then they play England the following Saturday. And just the fact that they would have had three games in a row on, on the UK and four in a row on this tour. He will juggle his resources a little bit, I think. Um, I think he'll make some judicious changes. I don't think there'll be wholesale changes. He won't send out like a second string lineup. The day, the days of doing that against Scotland, I think, are gone. So he's going to kind of keep a core. Maybe you know, start Samisoni, Takiaho, maybe a Kerry Yuani, uh, maybe a Finn Christie in Scotland at home, or TJ Perinara at halfback. So I think he'll, you know, he'll he'll, he'll freshen um, and hold back. Uh, you know, you know, kind of rest uh, a few of those frontliners that need it. Uh, but it won't be sort of a whole uh, second string lineup because I think uh, you've got to show Scotland some, some respect. They went very, very close to beating um, Australia first up, and you know they are a team that can upset the big heavyweights of the game on their day. They're a developing team, certainly improving team on the international scene. So yeah, I expect um, a few judicious changes, um, uh, you know, with England in mind. But but it'll still be a pretty strong All Blacks team. You know they've. They're, they've got sort of a half dozen positions where they can flip them around and, 
and not lose a lot. I don't think we'll see Geordie Barrett again at 12. Ian Foster was refusing to jump on the Geordie bandwagon in Cardiff. And I think there is a reason. I think he just wants to call the Jets on that a little bit as, as successful as it's been. And I think Geordie Barrett is going to be the number 12 for the World Cup next year. I, I, I think he still wants to keep David Havili and Anton Leonard-Brown sort of in the mix some, somewhere um, uh, as plan B. So I think we'll see a bit of a change up there as well. But uh, it'll still be a good All-Backs all team, Rick. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, Mark. Hey, listen, thanks very much for being part of the panel today, mate. Go well. Have a great weekend. Enjoy, yeah, no problem. enjoy, enjoy all your footy. Yeah. Yeah, go the black fence. Come on, finish it off, girls. Finish it off. Finish it off, indeed. And Ruben, thanks for uh, getting out of the boss's chair, coming into the studio. That little <laughs> red button turns on your microphone. Is just that by the what way. it does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good stuff, mate. Thanks for thanks for coming and being part of the panel on a Friday. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime, mate. Anytime. It is a quarter to eleven here on SCNZ. We're going to catch up with Louis Herman Watt and Pip Morris before eleven. The Love Racing NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. It is uh, 10 away from 11, and the racing's biggest fan um, is also a big fan of uh, Canterbury Draft, from what I understand. Some of the pictures I've seen. Louis Herman Watt, how are you, mate? How's the, how's the visit back home treating you? Yeah, lovely, Rick Dog. It's such a good time of year down here. Everyone's in great spirits, and um, it's been a little bit overcast the last couple of days, but that's all right because it's going to be hot. On the racetrack later on today at Addington, then tomorrow, I reckon. It's going to be hot, all right. What about, how about the TAB account? How hot is that at the moment? Oh, no, we're bleeding. We are bleeding. We are bleeding. Um, yeah, big night at the Greyhounds last night. Definitely not my forte or area of expertise, but it didn't stop me, you know, contributing to turnover, doing my bit. And, um, yeah, I did my bit, and somebody else is taking my money. That somebody else is Paulie Mawadi and Pitt Morris. Yeah, well, I mean, Paulie Mawadi was, uh, uh, wasn't very happy the day after um, because the boys got paid, got paid big time. He said they, yeah, the TAB paid out over half a million on um, He's a Doozy. Um, so I, I hope you haven't gifted them all of that back. <laughs> no, the lads were going real good yesterday. Actually, they had a couple of winners at... Uh, Addington Harness. They just had one leg of their five-leg multi at the Greyhounds last night fall over, and they would have collected another 120 racks. So, uh, yeah, the boys are going good, and they'll be attacking the Harness today at Addington. Um, but there is some good thoroughbreds on today, Rick Dog, actually, uh, up at Awapuni. And Kempi's got a couple of horses racing. Well, sorry, Kempi's got a horse racing, Cinerama, uh, in race number seven. Now, this is interesting, because Cinerama's come back She's been put in foal to Tarzino. And um, sometimes when mares get put in foal and they, they race on for the next few months, something just clicks with them. We see it quite often. Like, it could be a, a little bit of extra hormone or whatever, or it settles them down, or it makes them go the opposite, and that gives them a little bit more gusto. But Cinerama in race seven today. So she is in foal. Um, and from barrier six, with the claimer on, Ten dollars three thirty. I don't know what Kempi had to say this morning, um, but you'd expect it to be running on top four at two dollars forty. Looks like great money to me. Um, and I know that in race number six, well, Al's scratched Darcy Labella and Butler up, which means that no deductions. Sergio, how's this? Boys get paid last night or yesterday. I think they've had about ten grand each way on Sergio. It might even be fifteen grand each way on Sergio. At Thirteen dollars. It's into four eighty now. Um, so if they get 
Sergio up with the no deductions, Paulie Moati will be spewing. <laughs> he will be. He will be, which you love to see. You love to see. Good stuff, Louis. We'll let you go, mate. Go well, and uh, good luck on the punts at, at Awapuni today, eh? Yeah, thanks, Rick Dog. We'll chat again soon. Yeah, we'll, you know that for sure. Uh, and we will talk sooner uh, with Pip Morris from the TAB. She's up next. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Pip Morris from the TAB joins us. And this uh, this chat is brought to you by Panadol Powerade and a McDonald's feed this morning. Uh, Pip, how are you feeling? I've, I've seen some uh, photos of you guys out and about last night. It looked like it was a good time. It certainly was, Ricardo. Good morning to you. Yeah, I'm a little bit dusty, but look, I've been worse. It was, uh, it was worth it. It was, a, it was a very good night last night at the Greyhound. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Uh, did you did you manage to pull any money out of the TAB coffers for yourself? Managed to get the first four, actually, in, in the New Zealand Cup, so I was pretty happy with that when the TAB comes to the party, too, with that good $10,000 first four. So I took about that snare. The other way, I didn't go any good after that, Ricardo, but hey, look, that's something. That's all right, <laughs> mate. That's the way it works. So what, what have you got your eye on this weekend? Oh, there's so much going on. Talk about the women's rugby final first. I can tell you that Ruby Tui's the best back with the first try scorer and followed by Portia Woodman as well. On the betting, head-to-head New Zealand big favourites taking 76% of the bets at 2.45. And New Zealand 1-12 to best backs in the winning team in margin at $3.20. And I can tell you we've got a cool little promotion going too. What's your final bet? You can place a $10 or more bet on the women's rugby final this weekend. And we'll give you a $20 bonus bet to use on the match as well, Ricardo. Cool. And just quickly, big day at Outington again today. Pop, uh, street Art is very popular in race two. Treacherous Gale in race seven. And Muscle Mountain in race ten. Wow, yeah, yeah, plenty plenty going on. We just scratched the surface, Pip. Uh, have a great weekend, mate. And, uh, yeah, enjoy lunch today. And maybe maybe a quiet night tonight, eh? Have a good one. Absolutely, Ricardo. You too. See you later. Cheers, mate. Uh, Pip Morris from the TAB. Watch a bit live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. We're to get into your calls after 11. You want to talk rugby league? You want to talk the T20 World Cup? You want to talk the Rugby World Cup? All the All Blacks will do it all after the latest in news and sport. Yeah, give us a bell. What do you want to talk? Plenty of sport to talk. 0800 150 811 is the number. 0800 150 811. And SENZ's Caller of the Month uh, will win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thanks to Ava Living. All you have to do is give us a call, be part of the program, and you're in that draw. So uh, give us a call now. 0800 150 811. What do you want to talk? Do you want to talk? Uh, the Black Ferns uh, and the World Cup final against England on Saturday night. Of course, there is also the third, fourth playoff between Canada and France. But uh, I had this text come through on double eight, double three, which I, I thought was really interesting from Graham. He makes actually a couple of really good points here. He said there's been a lot of reference to the Black Ferns tour last year and how bad it was, both playing-wise and apparently the culture. It should be noted that there were only five players from that team who played in the semi-final last Saturday. So Glenmore won a World Cup in 2017. Uh, also, Glenmore won a World Cup in 2017. It's well, um, it's well known that a number of those players on last year's tour were totally unfit and ill-prepared. That is personal responsibility. This Black Ferns team hasn't won anything yet. I hope they do, but in my view, much has been made of the changes Wayne Smith has made. Maybe, just maybe by bringing in some of those sevens players who have been there and done that, have shown some of the others how to prepare for professional sport. Go the mighty Black Ferns. Yeah, it's a really good point, Graham. You know, the the likes of Ruby Tui, Portia Woodman, are they bringing more 
to uh, this outfit than what we see on the field. Uh, thank you very much for your text. You can keep your text coming through, double eight double three. Uh, also got this one, no name attached, but uh, Ricardo, did both pitches bat better in the second innings or did the two teams that won the bowl, uh, won bowl top notch it, as both teams struggled when batting first? Yeah, that's a really good point. If you missed it, England absolutely smashed the Indians last night in Adelaide. Uh, India made 168 for six and England knocked it off with four overs to spare and didn't lose a wicket. Alex Hales and Josh Butler, both 80-odd, not out at the end of it. It was a fantastic performance from them. It means we have an England-Pakistan final in the T20 World Cup. And, you know, we talked about the parallels to 1992. There are a bunch there. Uh, You know, we talked about that right through. Even Pakistan sneaking, as they did, into the playoffs. Uh, Well, now we've got the same final matchup as we had in 1992 as well. So, you know, there are parallels, parallels galore. So uh, your thoughts on that, who you're picking in the final. You got England, you got Pakistan. Will we have a ball bowled? It is supposed to be in Melbourne, and that's supposed to be wet for the next week. So we'll have to see on that one. But give us a call 0800 150 811. We also had Mark Hinton on the panel before with Ruben Bradley and we were talking the All Blacks. They play Scotland 4 o'clock of course in the morning on Monday morning. What are you expecting from the uh, from the All Blacks? Who do you think is going to be named in that starting 15? Hinton brought up that he thought Foster wasn't didn't didn't want to buy into the Geordie Barry, Barrett party at 12 um, and that he thinks we might see a Havili or an Anton Leonard Brown at 12 against Scotland. How many changes do you think there will be? Given it is a six-day turnaround before we play England rather than the seven because it's a Monday morning game going into an England game on the Saturday, which is a Sunday morning game our time. So I wonder who did that. Uh, but, yeah, keen to hear from you. 0800 150 811. What do you expect to see from that All Black 15 when it is named? Uh, I think tomorrow morning, New Zealand time, we'll, we'll have that team. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do do with it. Um, does Akira Yuani come in for Shannon Frizzell? Do you, do you keep Shannon Frizzell there? Uh, does Adi Savia play? Or you know, do you give a Hoskins Satutu a game? Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. The captain, of course, is Sam Whitelock. But is he one that you maybe wrap in cotton wool and play another lock? And in that case, who's your captain? Does Tokiaha start in place of Cody Taylor? Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because there will also be some players that have uh, been released to the uh, All Blacks 15 uh, to play the Barbarians as well that won't be there. So Brad Webb is there, I think. Roger Tuivasa-Shek is there as well. So there's a few that might be playing that All Black 15 against the Barbars. We will have to see. But give us a call, 0800 150 811. The caller of the month will win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. We also had the Rugby League. Uh, the Kiwi Ferns losing 10-8 to the Gillaroos this morning in their final pool game. It means that the Kiwi Ferns will play England in the semi-finals. The Gillaroos will play Papua New Guinea. How do you see that playing out? Let us know. And of course, uh, Saturday morning, 8.45 tomorrow morning, it is going to be the Kiwis against the Kangaroos. Looking forward to this one. Who comes out on top in that matchup? A lot was made pre-tournament about how good the Kiwis forward pack is. Uh, but they maybe haven't impressed the same way the Kangaroos have at this tournament. I do think it's important for the Kiwis to have been tested against Fiji. They didn't play particularly well, a few handling errors, things like that, but they've properly been tested. I don't know that Kangaroos have, so will that make a difference? We'll have to see, because if you match up those packs, the packs look pretty good. I think the Kiwi pack probably shades it. 
Uh, but then you look at the back line, uh, and man, it feels like this is the final, doesn't it? I, I know the, the England team has gone well, um, and it'll be interesting to see if they can survive uh, that uh, semi-final against Samoa, given you know they turned them over 60-6 um, to six in the first pool game. But I think it'll be a different Samoa, Samoa that's beaten Tonga since then. So uh, what are you expecting there? It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that game plays out. I think we're going to definitely see a different Samoan team. Uh, from a, a point of view of uh, having a look at what uh, is out there for the Kiwis and uh, the Kangaroos. I mean, if you go man for man in the pack, um, you've got... It's it's really hard, I think, to, to to really pull anything out of that. I think Brandon Smith's a better hooker than Ben Hunt, but Ben Hunt gives you the utility. Um, and I think, in general, the Kiwis are a bigger pack. I mean, uh, Tarpany, uh, Nelson Asafa, Solomona, uh, James Fisher-Harris, Jesse Bromwich, that is a bigger pack than what the Aussies have got. They're, they're more workmen like the Aussies, but not quite as big. And then in the back line, you know, that halves pairing. Uh, Jerome Hughes and Dylan Brown against Nathan Cleary and Cameron Munster. Uh, that looks pretty good. There's lots of gas in the Australian backline. Val Holmes and Josh Adokar on the wings. Latrell Mitchell in the centres. Uh, Jack White maybe doesn't have the gas, but he has the guile. He's another, like a second playmaker. And then Teddy James Tedesco out the back. Mulitalo has been superb this tournament, I think, um, so far. Uh, so he gives us the gas there. It looks like Rapana will start on the other wing. And uh, the centre pairing is going to be Chance, Nickel, Clockstead and Peter Hicku. So we had thought that Britt Nakora might play there, but no. Uh, Chance Nickel Clockstead gets his opportunity. And then Joey Manu from the back. I mean, that is that is two very good teams. Tough to differentiate. Keen to hear from you. Who you think is going to get up? Kiwis and Kangaroos tomorrow morning at 8.45. Looking forward to that game. Our number here, 0800 150 0800-150-811. Or you can text us on double eight double three. Had a couple of texts through about our... Hawks Bay frequency on 5.49am. I'm just letting you know, uh, if you're listening on the app, you've had to switch to the app from 5.49, uh, that we have our texts looking into that. So thanks for your texts uh, and thanks for letting us know. And if you ever have problems with our frequencies, do let us know on double eight double three. It's much appreciated. Uh, Graham has called through. Uh, g'day, Graham. How are you doing? How's it, Ricardo? Yeah, I just firstly, um, you just read, read out my text. I just wanted to... It wasn't a criticism of the Wayne Smith or any of the ladies. It was just a stating a few facts, really. I think it's just, you know, I've been to three Black Ferns tests and it's good fun. And I want them to, no one wants them to win more than me. But we keep going back to last year's tour and how supposedly bad it was. And they keep pointing the finger at one one or two people. I just think you need to, you know, have a bit, open the window up a bit wider and have a look at... Um, you know, I watched those games. Some of those girls were puffing up for 10 minutes. That's mm. not Glenn Moore's fault, mate. That's personal responsibility, eh? So. Yeah, there is a bit but, of that, know, and, and I think that's probably played into as well because the you know it's it's interesting that conversation about the professionalism in sport and uh, what's on the player, what's on the coach. But you know, there's, we've seen it, I've seen it happen before, particularly in women's sport, where a coach has called out players for not being fit, and and the way it's done, the the, the words used, and where and when it's done, and in front of who, uh, often impacts that. And I wonder if that's what bit Glenn Moore in the backside. Ah, uh, oh, definitely, mate. You know, I, I coached, you know, female netball for about ten years. My daughter for when she from about when she was seven till she was a teenager. And, you know, I was came from an era. I'm, I don't know how old you are, mate, but um, I came from an era where it was like, 
you get your you get your shit together, mate, or you're not going to be playing again. You're not going to play next week, or you know, if you're late for training, you don't play on Saturday. Those those were the rules, and it was and it wasn't put politely, you know. And and I still think some of those uh, ways are good for people. You know, you got to wake up sometimes, you know, and get a pit a patter, you know, trying to solve things over. If you're not fit enough, you're not fit enough, man. If you're not fit enough, you're not good enough. Yeah. That's just life, mate. You know, that's a life. It's a life lesson, and you've got to learn it real quick. These professional teams that are really good are good for a reason, man. Yeah, well, it's interesting you, know, you say that, Graham, because I there was a football coach who um, I remember having conversation with a women's football team, and he went, you know, often I've been in situations and in, in dressing rooms where the team sits in the dressing room and the coach goes around player by player, tells you what you've done right, what you've done wrong, uh, what your work ons on are, etc., and everybody just accepts it. This coach was a guy yeah. did, the, did the same thing with a representative football side and called a couple of players out um, and not. You know, not when I say call them out. He just as he as he he would talk to anybody uh, about their their fat percentages and their skin folds, and said they weren't good enough um, and they needed to work on it. And then he got criticised for fat shaming. Um, and I talked to my partner about that, and uh, you know, I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, but from a woman's point of view, she said, I can't believe he said that in front of the team. You need to do that individually and take players off and do it. So it, it is a different skill coaching men and coaching women, I think, in terms of the way you communicate. Yeah, oh, yeah fair point. But anyway, oh, good, good luck to the Black Ferns. I wish I was there. Um, I've done us proud. Uh, 55th, I like um, your um, lady had on this morning. I'm like her a bit on the fence. Mm. But if they can get it to Porsche, Porsche women as quickly as they can with a bit of space, game over, mate. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, just on the on the All Blacks go the mighty Scotland. I said to, said to staff earlier in the week, I've got six cousins, a nephew and an auntie and uncle, Scottish relatives of mine, um, going to the game. My parents are Scottish immigrants, so I'd love an upset. I don't think it's going to happen, but it'll be a great game, a great occasion, and we're going to FaceTime the whole game and... Um, yeah, I might have a sore head Monday morning coming to work with the odd the odd Glenn Fiddick that I have thinking it at four thirty in the morning. Oh, but mate! Yeah, all, all power to all the teams playing this weekend. The you know the Kiwis, the uh, league teams. You know, well done to all of them, and, and good luck to everybody. Stay safe this weekend. Yeah, thanks Cheers very much for your call, Graham. Thank you. Yeah, just remember, whiskey's not just for breakfast. All right, um, anytime drink that. Uh, Zay joins us. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Be a caller of the month on SCNZ. You could win an Oklahoma Joe's blackjack charcoal kettle grill. Thanks to Aber Living. G'day, Zay. How you doing, mate? Yeah, all right. What do you want to talk this morning, bud? Uh, UFC. UFC, what do you got? What do you got this weekend, mate? Well, let's go through the Kiwis, mate. Who do you who do you like of the Kiwis? Who's going to win? Well, I'm I'm hoping Adesanya, but it's not going to be an easy fight. Um, I think it's going to be uh, down to who's got the better kickboxing. It seems um, they're both going to use their kickboxing, and Izzy usually fights dudes that can't strike that well. And this Alex Pereira, um, he's a pretty good striker, as he's found out. But I think Izzy was uh, was ripped off in one of those fights because. Um, he was all over him in that second fire in Brazil, and Adesanya had a standing eight count, and the referee let him let Pereira recover, and then like he kind of caught Adesanya off guard and knocked him out. So. Mm. Yeah, I think I watched that fight, and that, you're right. I mean, Adesanya was absolutely destroying him in that fight, and he and he got Izzy with a lucky punch. So um, you yeah. got I mean, you got to give it to Pereira for for being able to stay in the fight, but he certainly wasn't winning that fight when he got the knockout. 
and it's MMA, so there's a lot there's a lot of different things that Adesanya can do. Mm. Um, there's even been rumours that I don't think it's going to happen, but Adesanya can maybe try some grappling on him, but I can't see that happening. So but I, I think it, it would be incredibly from... easy to go up against a guy that he's kickboxed before uh, and actually take him down and get him on the mat. That would be an incredibly easy <laughs> thing to do, wouldn't it? Probably. Um, but... I think he. I think he should win. I reckon maybe a decision. I think it's going to be a close fight. What is but going? I think he might just keep. Yeah, it's going five rounds as well, Zayden. I don't know how often Pereira's been five rounds um, with a bloke like yeah. Izzy. So you know, I, I actually think Izzy's going to win by knockout. I think there's been so much talk about the way Pereira beat him years ago in, in, in kickboxing that Izzy will be determined to finish this fight and make a statement. Yeah, um, Dan Hooker needs to win because if he doesn't, I think that's his career done. You reckon? So, yeah, I think that's that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's I, too many fights in a, uh, yeah, I in think, a row now. If he, if he loses this one, I think Hooker's got a good chance. I think he's. I mean, he is the favourite in the fight against uh, yeah. Claudio Puels. But yeah, I mean, you're right. He, uh, what, what, what he, he needs the, to put a streak together, doesn't he? What are the odds in that one? Uh, Hooker's paying a dollar fifty-five. Puels two forty. Um, and oh, so he's a bit of a heavy favourite, actually. Yeah, he's reasonably favourite, and the and the uh, method of victory points three twenty, TKO three forty, submission thirteens. Um, for for well, Hooker. there's only there's only two options can happen there. There's definitely not a submission. Well, yeah, I mean, he, remember his nickname is the Hangman for a reason, mate. He's choked a few people out over the years. But isn't that dude fighting pretty good at submissions as well? So I don't think he'd want to go there. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, if you look at method of victory, Puel's um, favoured method is by submission at three seventy five. So, yeah, yeah, so pr- I'd leave I'd leave that alone. Yeah, but either go, I reckon either hooker by decision or if he can if he can get a knockout would be real good. But yeah, um, Brad Riddell, Honata Moyakano, I think he's I think he's been around for a while. Yeah, and that and that's an even market, man. I mean, that's a dollar ninety five plays a dollar eighty, you know. So that could go either way that fight, I think. Yeah, that's that's. I think Brad Riddell might have lost his last fight as well. Yeah, he's um, lost, lost his last two, so he needs a win. Yeah, so he, he needs a win as well. Not quite as much as Dan Hooker, but he needs a win. And Carlos Olberg, well, he doesn't he, he doesn't really need a win, but he, he's got a, he's coming off a good knockout, so he's got momentum with him. But I think he's not versing an easy opponent either. No, you know, you're so. the guy he's fighting, uh, the Romanian, is is reasonably handy. It's uh, Olberg is a favourite, but just in that one. All right, mate. Hey, Zay, yeah. give us give us uh, your picks. Let's go through the four Kiwis fights. Who have you got? Is Olberg going to win? Yeah. And how? Olberg by decision. Olberg by decision. Okay, interesting. All right. What about Riddell Moicano? Yeah, he's going to take him, but he's going to take him to a decision. Okay, so another decision. Uh, Dan Hooker versus Puels. Hopefully, uh, I want to go Dan Hooker to knock him out and get his career back on. Okay, and then Izzy versus Pereira. Uh, we'll go Izzy. We'll go an Izzy knockout. Izzy knockout. Okay, there you go. That's AIDS picks for the but UFC two eighty one for the weekend. I just got, if, I was, if I was to go safe, I'd just multi all four of them up. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick method of victories. I'd just go all four of them. Just, just head to head. Just try your luck there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think it might even be boosted as well. Oh uh, yeah, I think sure you're right. Well, actually, Brian took one. Any of the two Kiwis, uh, there's four Kiwis fighting. Any of the two to win by knockout is paying three thirty. Yeah, that's not bad either. Don't mind that. No, be a Don't great, great weekend of fights, and um, hopefully the Black Ferns can win the World Cup and. The Kiwis can be in the World Cup final, but it's not going to be easy to beat the Kangaroos. Yeah, well, I've, and I've so. taken, I don't know if you heard it, mate, but I've taken Newcastle at St. James's Park to beat your Chelsea this weekend at 2.30. Oh, 
Yeah, they're they're on fire in Newcastle, and Chelsea's gone a bit downhill. Yeah, so, yeah, they're yeah. on. They're they're what I like to call on water rather than on fire. Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, I think, yeah. think, think they need a World Cup break, that's for sure. No, I think, yeah, I think you're right. They've got a few out with injury, don't they? But uh, cheers, I saw, um I saw Conor Gallagher's been named in the England team, though. Yeah, yeah, he's been named in the England team. But uh, yeah. Ben Chilwell, Ben Chilwell, Reese James, and Ngolo Kante are all missing the World Cup through injury, and so yeah, they're out of ch- and they're all yeah. big parts of that Chelsea machine. So they're they're missing yeah, them big time. Not happening to me either. And Wesley Fofana's big injury as well. Yeah, exactly, so. mate. Exactly. Good stuff, Zay. So, yeah. Thanks for your well, call, mate. Then. Have a great weekend, a- eh? Thank you. Bye. Yep. Cheers. Uh, Zaid on the phone with us, 0800 150 811. Remember, the caller of the month is in to win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. It is 11.22 here on ECNZ. 11.27 here on SCNZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. few texts that have come through. This one, I got all four Kiwis by knockout. $11. Uh, it's returning $1,980. Let's go CKB. Best of luck. No name on that text, but best of luck. I hope you're right. That'd be fantastic if uh, that happened. Hey, if you missed uh, the final score of the Manchester united Aston Villa game, Manchester United won 4-2 in the end. A good result for them. And good comeback as well. They were 1-0 down and 2-1 down and end up coming back and winning 4-2. So uh, the draw for the fourth round has been done currently at the moment as well. So I'll let you know uh, what that looks like when uh, when the draw is finished, which will be done in the next sort of 15 minutes or so. A couple of texts through as well uh, from Chris. Ricardo, who is going to win the FIFA World Cup? It's a million-dollar question, Chris. Generally, whoever you like before the tournament starts doesn't win it. Um, that, that historically has been proven to be accurate uh, because there are so many teams that can win it generally. I think the last time I picked the team who was going to win it from the start was 2006 when I said the Italians had won it, and they did. And I had 100 bucks on Luca Toni um, to be the golden boot for the tournament as well, and it came through. And I put that on at the beginning of the tournament. I think he was paying nines at the time. Um, so, yeah, that, it, it is always tough. Uh, I think, though, on balance... The best balanced squad, who is the least likely to implode because of ego, uh, is is Brazil. I think Neymar's really sorted himself out. He's about the team. Uh, they've got really good number nine options, so that Neymar can play the ten as the playmaker. Uh, they've got these great number nine options, and like Gabriel Jesus, who works really hard for the team, Richarlison as well is another one. Um, you know, got Anthony that's come through at Manchester United now uh, this season. Uh, you've also got Rafinha, who's uh, moved to, to Barcelona. So as wide forwards go, they're good. Then they've got like you know Fabinho from Liverpool, Casemiro from United, who could be holding midfielders alongside potentially Fred if they needed him. And then they've got a decent backline as well. And, the, you know, goalkeepers, they could go with Edison or Allison. Um, the Man City and Liverpool keepers are both Brazilian. So I think Brazil, for me, Mbappe uh, and his ego worry me for France. I think there's every chance France implode. In fact, uh, Philippe Auclair, who's a, a top uh, French football journalist the other day, I heard him on a podcast say he did, he has a funny feeling that France will implode and not get out of the group stage, which would be interesting. Um, so we'll see on that one. And I think, you know, uh, not many people are talking about them at the moment, uh, but the Argentinians are a chance. Messi's last World Cup, they, they, they're they on a on a winning streak. I think they have, they've, they've won, they're unbeaten in 30 games straight at international level, Argentina. So they are looking pretty good. Um, and, you know, if you wanted a smoky, a little bit of a dark horse, a couple of teams to look at. I think the Dutch, uh, their strongest 11 looks very good. I think they could uh, they could probably upset a few. And no one's talking about Croatia either. I saw them. They're not in the top 10 of the odds, but they were in the final last time. 
and the team's probably better now. I know Modric is slightly older, uh, but I think I think Croatia, um, you don't sleep on them either. Germany don't have enough goals in them. I, uh, England have got too many injuries, uh, and I think I yeah I think they're toast. I don't think England will do much at this World Cup. Probably round of sixteen. Um, I think is probably where that fits. So hope that answers some questions for you, Chris. Uh, Brad's also texted through saying Southgate's an idiot, isn't he? Questionable squad. Well, he's got a lot of uh, he's hamstrung by a lot of injuries. But yeah, there are some options like Raheem Sterling been terrible this season. Uh, don't know why he's still in the squad, but that is Southgate for you. He is loyal to players who maybe aren't doing it at club level, but are doing it, uh, have done it previously for him. Harry Maguire, Eric Dyer, two of those examples as well, and I think Raheem Sterling is now another one. Uh, keep your texts coming through on that, double eight, double three. It is uh, just about time to get stumped or play stumped with me. A $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs ahead of the weekend. If you want to play stumped, give us a call now, 0800 150 811, 0800 and we'll do that right after the latest in news and sports with Araha. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, he is absolute top class and you know who else is top class at their job? Mr. Ricardo Ball. Oh, thanks very much, Brian. I thought you were going to say yourself. Oh, mate, mate, you can't can't wax your own wheels, I, I think, eh, mate? You know, it's like giving yourself a nickname. Just, no, settle down, mate, settle down. Settle down. All right, fair enough. Fair Testies enough. too, by the way. Um, but, yes, it is. It is that time. It's time to play Stumped. Um, three categories. You all know how it works. And how are you feeling about it today, uh, Rick Dog? Uh, yeah, good, mate. Good, good, good. On on top of things. On top of things. Beauty, beauty. Feeling energised ahead of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, well, let's, should we try fuller beer fridge here or should we just try and jackpot next week? To, to oh, really... I reckon we fill a beer fridge for the weekend. Yeah, I like that too. So first up at the crease today, we have Carrie from Manawatu. How are you, mate? Yeah, hey, guys. Morning. Morning, mate. Hey, what are you most looking forward to this weekend, Carrie? So much uh, good sport on. Girls, mate, the Blackburns, definitely. Mate, I love it, eh? I love it. I'm definitely looking forward to that too. Uh, you know, I mean, a shame our Kiwi first just lost, but it's a typical league thing. We've got to lose one to Aussie in the tournament. Um, anyway, Kerry, your subjects for today, the World Series, tennis or the T20 World Cup, what would you like to go with? Um, oh, I might go tennis. Oh, here we go. Okay, Carrie, from the Manawatu, the first question. The ATP Finals, the event which features only the world's best eight qualified singles players and doubles teams, is contested this weekend. Who is the number one seed in the singles side? In the men's or woman? It's only a men's competition. Oh, yeah. Uh, Who was that? Djokovic. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Mate. Right in the slot. And, and the way it goes. Nailed it. Straight past over the bowler's head. Uh, to question number... Oh, actually, Rick, did you know? 
I probably would have gone Djokovic, but I wasn't convinced given how much tennis he's missed. Exactly. I thought that might have been a bit of a, a bit of a trip up, but no, yeah. no, our man from the Manawatu nails it. Second question, Carrie. Kiwis double ace, hope you've been listening. Kiwis double ace Michael Venus is set for a change in partner in 2023. Uh, they've paired together before, and this partner comes from great stock. He has a championship winning brother, a five-time Aussie Open and two-time Wimbledon winning brother. What is the name of that tennis champion? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I don't think he was listening, Rick Dog. No. Send him I, home. Yeah, yeah, send him home because, uh, yeah, Jamie Murray, Andy Murray's brother, is his new partner. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. And Billy Bowden lifts the crooked finger. Sorry, mate, you're gone. But uh, next we have Vaughan for one and done. One question for all the chocolates. How are you, Vaughan? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you, mate. Very well. You know much about tennis? No. Oh, well. <laughs> Let's see how we go. Let's see if Rick knows the answer to this one and can send you back to the pavilion also. Uh, Roger Federer made his final tennis appearance at the Labour Cup in September. Name the two tennis greats that coached slash captained those two sides. Oh, I have a stab. I'll say Boss Becker. And one of the worst things I have <laughs> ever seen. Done Got it wrong in one, mate. Got it wrong in one. Uh, oh. but, but you're still alive because if Rick gets this wrong, you still get the $50 TAB bonus bet. Rick Dog. So... Federer played in the Labour Cup, yep. and it was whoever Switzerland played against who the coaches of Switzerland and the other team were. Is that what you're saying? That is correct. Okay. Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't know who they played, so this is completely a, a shot in the dark. Uh, uh, but I am going to say John McEnroe, captain of the US team. Am I right? Uh, you've got one. You've got, oh, so I've got to go the other one. I've got to find out who captained the Swiss team. Oh, oh, that's cool. Uh, well, did Roger Federer captain the Swiss team? Oh. One of the worst oh, things I, thought it might have been a I trick have question. ever seen done on a cricket field. No, the correct answer was Bjorn Borg. Bjorn Borg? Bjorn oh, wow. Borg. It's not even Swiss, oh. Swiss, which is what threw me. <laughs> it's, 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 it's European. Ah, there you go. That's what threw me. That's what threw me. Oh, well done, Vaughan. That's all yours then, uh, by default, as it were. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> no worries, mate. $50. Where, where are you putting it this weekend? Oh, I'll, I'll look at the Kiwis. Something along those lines. Um, maybe a, maybe a any time try scorer. Maybe a, maybe a Jerome Hughes jinking off the right. Yeah, something like that. I like that, mate. I like the way you're thinking. Jerome Hughes jinking off the right to score the winning try under the post as the Kiwis win 24-20 against the Kangaroos in the semi-final. Oh, get up. Get, get up. up. That's what we're all about, man. That's what we're all about. Hey, best of luck, Ford. Hope it comes through for you, brother. Cheers, mate. Go well. There you go. That is stumped. We'll do it again on Monday. Another $50 from the TAB up for grabs. Uh, this is SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy, of course, is away in Australia at 
the T20 World Cup. I think he's going to be part of the call team for the final as well, but hopefully we can talk to him Monday after that final and get a take on uh, what that was like. And I wonder who's going to win too. Who do you like, Pakistan? or England, dominant England side. Uh, let us know, Double eight, double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. When we come back, Mick Guerin's going to join us. We're going to talk mail run and harness racing. It's 11.45 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Borsi, well, Smithies at the World Cup. And uh, had a text through on double eight, double three from Maggie saying, Hi, guys, unless I misheard the caller, Alcarez is the top ATP seed, not Novak. Yeah, Maggie, you're not wrong, uh, but for this particular tournament, Novak is the top seed because Alcaraz is out injured. So that's the way they've seeded the tournament. But thanks for your text, and um, yeah, you are correct in a way, but not correct in terms of the in terms of the actual quiz, but appreciate uh, your text, Maggie, keep them coming through on double eight, double three. Mick Guerin joins us now to talk harness racing. And mate, h- how are you feeling? How's the liver feeling this deep into Cup Week? It's been rugged, Ricardo, I can tell you that. It's always great to come back to the, the South Island where I was actually born and see the family and all of our friends, the Australian friends, are across for what's now today, one, two, three, four, five of Cup Week, starting last week at Rickett, and we had the Dog Cup last night, but um, of course the big trotting cup was on Tuesday, and we head back to Addington today for the Dominion, which is the richest trotting race in the country, Ricardo, as opposed to a pacing race, and also the free-for-all for for the paces. So we're not far away. It's 13 races again today, and on Tuesday they had 13 races, Ricardo, and the highest ever turnover at a New Zealand race meeting of $7.5 million. So a lot of money up for grabs, both on the track and in the TAP accounts for punters today at Addington before we rock on to Rickerton tomorrow for the uh, 1,000 guineas and New Zealand Galloping Cup pay. So, yes, Ricardo, it has been a long, uh, arduous and very fun week. Uh, mate, how's the TAB account looking? I'm going to have to ask. Uh, no, actually, had, had a losing day on Tuesday. I, actually, I reckon the card I've been betting since I was about... 16, I'll say legally, probably had my first bet when I was seven with mum and dad with the old $2 gold coin bet. But I reckon it's the first time in my life I've backed three horses in the same day who galloped. One of those weird occurrences, it's much like, you know, Bowden Barrett dropping a rugby ball in a test match. You might see it once. If you saw it three times in the same day, you would think it was the strangest thing you've ever seen in your life. Happened the other day, so we took a small, small bleeding nose, but most importantly, we took the winner of the cup on top, copy that, which is what we're paid to do. The big races matter a lot more to me, Ricardo, than the small races, but you do try and make a profit. So we're going in today on the back foot, but I think we can get one back. I quite like race seven, number nine today, advance party. I'm not saying it's a good thing, because it's in a very good field, but there's a power play on the TAB, $1.80 for both it and Carlua flyby to run top four. I don't see how that doesn't happen. And you could get as much as $5 for advance party two days ago. I think it's got a very good chance of sitting in the trail and being hard to beat in the Phillies contest. The big trotting race today, the Dominion. I think Sunday Sun, clear top pick there with Bolt for Brilliance back in the North Island and not starting today. Uh, he's looking for his third Dominion as Sunday Sun. I reckon he gets the lead and probably pulls that off. The pacing free for all, a lot more tricky. A lot's going to depend on what happens at the start, whether a horse like Rock and Roll do can get across to Lee, which I don't think he can do, or whether he's tough enough to sit parked outside on the Australian, or whether it's one of the Kiwis like Self-Assured, Spanking, BD Joe, or another one who can get the job done. Really intriguing race, the pacing race. It goes just before 6 o'clock.
Yeah, lots on this weekend, mate. There's been lots on this week, as, I, as we talked about. And, of course, you have a couple of shows on the weekend as well. Are they making you do double time, mate? You're doing trot, stalk, and you're doing the mail run? I, I must admit, uh, getting out of bed at 7 tomorrow morning to go to Rickard, it might be my funnest part of the week, Ricardo. But once we're here with, with Lily Herman, what it's always great fun. 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, we have a huge array of guests live from Rickerton and outside broadcast there. And then on Sunday, we're going to wrap up all this harness racing for the week. At 11 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock on SCNZ for Trots Talk Ricardo. So it's been an enormously fun week uh, and two big days still to go. That's Addington just about to kick off for the first on the card. All those odds are available, bit responsibly, on tab.co.nz. Nice work, Michael. Go well, mate, and uh, good luck for the rest of the week, eh? Keep up the good work. Thanks, big man. Thank you. Uh, Michael Guerin there with us. Make sure you tune in for Trot's, Trot's Talk from 11 o'clock on Sunday morning when Greg and Michael go through all the latest news from the world of harness racing action. Thanks to hrnz.co.nz. It is 10 away from midday when we come back. Mark Stafford's with us. Uh, the danger zone indeed. The danger zone is when... You've got nothing lined up after 11 o'clock and you need people to ring you. Uh, and I think it's uh, much the same uh, for flyby at the seat of your pants, Mark Stafford, this afternoon. Staff, how are you, mate? Just waiting for the... There, there it, it is. is. There's there the microphone. It is. Not that one over there. There, this one over here. There we go. Uh, yeah, danger zone today. It's good. I'm so looking forward to this World Cup final. It's going to be good, isn't it? Are you there? I'm not there. Oh, I'm there in spirit. I'm not there in person. Um... But, jeez, I, I just loved last... I didn't think I could enjoy a game as much as I did last week with so much on the line. Just had everything. Yeah, mate. No, it was, uh, it was fantastic. And um, we can, we, um, we saw the, the Kiwi Ferns push the Jillaroos close this morning as well. 10-8, mm. that was. Um, first points the Jillaroos have conceded uh, this tournament, mate. They, the girls are doing us proud. They really are. And Sammy, of course, big leaguey. He was out there in the office watching it on his uh, Spark Sport app. And uh, every now and then he'd just go... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was sort of uh, watching it vicariously through him, but yeah, he just said it's actually okay losing to them here because now we can beat them in the final. If we beat them today, we probably wouldn't beat them in the final. Yeah, no, that, that's his theory. Yeah, no, I like it. I think it's a solid theory. It's a solid theory. I had a text through from Kane earlier um, saying that he's got this weekend in the UFC two eighty one. Mm. Get your take on these. He's gone Carlos Allberg by knockout, Brad Riddell by knockout. Dan Hooker by submission, and Izzy on the double chance points or knockout. Mm. I've had somebody else text through saying they backed all four Kiwis to win by knockout at eleven dollars. Wow. Dan by knockout. Mm. Eleven dollars seems a bit skinny for all four by knockout. It does. Yeah, yeah it does. I mean, and it depends what Izzy does because, and I don't mind the mindset he takes into these fights. Like I got the title, you come and get it. And if you don't come and get it, I'll just outpoint you. Mm. I'll just keep my distance. He doesn't have to go. doesn't have to attack. But there's just a little bit of hate in this one that might just tweak him up a bit. It's a bit of niggle, eh? Because yeah. Pereira's been talking about, you know, I, I beat him twice as a kickboxer. And as he's like, well, that was ages ago and you got lucky. Uh, but there is that whole, you want to set the record straight because so many people are now doubting him. Mm. I actually wondered, we had a call on before, I wondered whether or not we might see something completely out of the box and that he's fighting a guy who likes to stay on his feet, which is what he likes to do. Are we going to see Izzy try, try a takedown? Yeah, I, I remember like a couple of years ago, I was talking to Dan Hooker, he used to do previews with me, and and I said, how do you reckon, where does Izzy win this one? Does it go distant? Does he knock him out? And he, and he said submission. 
And I said, what? And he said, as I was leaving CKB this morning, I turned around to him and I said, they'll ask me how you're going to win. He goes, submission in three. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, and he was serious. He wants to do that at some stage. You're, you've actually just reminded me, he might want to do that and shock the world. Well, it's something no one's expecting him to do. Yeah, you know? and he hasn't talked about it, and he just pop it. Yeah, now um, you've got a big UFC segment on the show this afternoon. Yeah, 3 o'clock, um, we're beaming in live to New York City with uh, Ravinda Hunia. Cool. And we've got Zaid coming into studio to co-host uh, the UFC special. So, Sweet. well, Zaid may have already burned his powder. He was on with me for about ten minutes, giving us giving me his thoughts. Zaid, Zaid, you're supposed to save your powder for my show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, Zaid, dropped you in it there, mate. Uh, but that's how it works. Um, what else you got coming up on the show, mate? Um, pretty excited. Oh, well, D- uh, Jeremy Paul show as per mm. at about two fifteen. Uh, the 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 uh, city. Sorry, yeah, well, City Kickboxing Onslaught as well, as I just mentioned. Uh, Darren Williams out of Anderson, but the big one today, Don Tricker is joining us. Uh, of course, he is the uh, professional health and something manager for San Diego Padres. Cool. Who, of course, he started as a softball player, became the coach of the Black Sox, won two world titles, then he went to the All Blacks, and he was their strategic um, savant, and um, yeah, can't wait to talk to him. Mate, it sounds like you've got a packed show coming up, staff. Looking forward to it. I know what I'm going to be doing in my afternoons. Enjoy your weekend. Lots of sport for it. See you Monday morning. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.